Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. I like to break down a case when it first comes in. I develop a theme. I figure out what I need to do to effectively persuade the jury or a fact finder or a corporate representative who's a decision maker to get them to understand how profoundly injured my clients are. You don't win the high stakes national lawsuits just by turning up in court with a haphazard attitude. It takes dedication, preparation, and a whole lot of skill that can only be developed through years of hard work and experience. And no one is more aware of this than my guest today. The most important thing I learned is you have to have a simple story, get rid of all the irrelevant stuff. I've trained with some really good trial masters. Some of them are psychologists. Some of them are trial lawyers. It's all about the storytelling. You've got to be very highly focused on what's the most important aspect in your case. And the other thing you have to do, you have to talk in plain English. You're listening to the Rankings Podcast, the show where top marketers and elite personal injury attorneys share their stories about getting to the top and what keeps them there. My guest today is Soul Weiss, shareholder of Annapol Weiss and nationally renowned lawyer. Soul made a name for himself in the NFL players' concussion injury litigation and through his work on the $3.75 billion settlement on the FinFin case. Soul comes through his cases on an almost microscopic level, analyzing them from multiple angles to find their weaknesses and just like an SEO audit tool, checking every aspect of a website for optimization quality. SEO is all about the first page. That's also where we like to start our show. Here's Sol Weiss, shareholder and director of Annapol Weiss. My journey started in 1972 when I graduated from Villanova Law School. My first job was at a law firm that had about 24 lawyers at that time. I was hired to do plaintiff's antitrust work. Four years into that job, the person I worked with, Paul Annapol, started his own firm. It's been some iteration of Annapol Weiss since 1977. Gotcha. So take me back to early days when you joined Paul. What was it like getting your feet on the ground, you know, hustling to get those cases? I know you've been practicing law, so maybe you already had a book of business when you started, so it wasn't. No, I was right out of law school. I was assigned to handle one big case, a price-fixing case, and I was up against a very prominent White Chew Philadelphia law firm. I spent the first year and a half of my legal career working day and night, six days a week, until we got that case resolved. Paul was a personal injury lawyer as well. He was a president of the Philadelphia Trialers Association, tried a lot of really catastrophic injured people cases. And after that stint doing antitrust work, I also started doing product liability work with Paul. 
was one of the big turning points in the firm settling some of those big cases. Did that kind of give you the cash power to kind of take the marketing up to the next level? Would you say that's fair or? That's pretty fair. I've been fortunate. I've worked on large cases all my life. I've had my share of some smaller cases, but in the main, I have done work involving severely compromised people. And I've also done some business litigation for small businesses, all on the plaintiff side. You could say that high value trials of national importance are sole specialty. In fact, look through his case history, again and again he's come out on top and helped to secure billions for his clients. I asked Sol to tell us about those cases and describe how he got the results he did and share what they meant for his firm. My partner in Arizona, Larry Coben, who I went to high school with, he called me up and said, I'd like to work with you guys. We worked out a deal. And within about six months of being in our firm, albeit in Scottsdale, he looked at a bunch of football players who had exhibited some neurological problems, severe problems. Larry has tried a number of cases against helmet manufacturers, football, horse racing, hockey, bicycle accidents. And at the time, one of my partners, Ned Ehrlich, was representing injured football players for workers' comp claims in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York. So it was a natural fit. We hired some really top flight experts and away we went. We filed the first class action in federal court. We were instrumental in getting it multi-district litigation, APML. It was assigned to Judge Brody who had our case and I was one of two co-lead counsel for the plaintiff side. And that really got a ton of media exposure and I'm sure that really that natural kind of PR that you get, it helps the marketing initiatives. It helps with the social proof. Does all that, Chris. We hired a PR firm that is leads in the uh, concussion case, including the steering committee. And uh, we followed their recommendation. And early on, we decided it was best to have it all be about the players, not about the lawyers. We had about 10 or 12 players whose life stories were constantly in the media and it mushroomed from there. Absolutely. And going from there, then you've been involved in many other major cases. Let's talk about FinFin. How did you get into the pharmaceutical litigation space? In, I'm going to say the early nineties, we had a client who lost his hearing. He was given a drug that caused it at the VA administration. So we filed a, uh, tour claim action. And after about three years, it was successful. We got a lot of money for the client. FenFen started in 1998, I'm thinking, 1997. By 1999, the whole country was awash with FenFen litigation. In my initial role, I was very active in medical monitoring cases in the state of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. At some point in time, we joined forces with the MDL plaintiffs and I became one of seven class counsel. And I spent the next more than four or five years. We had a nice settlement, $3.4 billion against American Home Products. And then there was a whole bunch of opt-outs and I was very active for many years in that litigation. 
Sol's success as an attorney didn't happen overnight. It took years of honing his craft before he was able to secure those incredible settlement figures. So I couldn't miss an opportunity to get some tips from the master litigator on how you can get maximum value from your own settlements. The first thing that I would tell young lawyers, you need to work up the damages. A lot of time, lawyers get focused only on liability, but it's the unique situation of your client that right. is very compelling, and that maximizes the recovery you can make for a client in front of a jury. That's pretty important up front. Second thing is you have to work like a dog. Most of these cases take two or three years before they get resolved. We can spend anywhere between seventy-five dollars and $200,000 in costs in a big case lining up the right experts, flying all over the country or sometimes to Europe, wherever, to take the necessary depositions of the corporate employees. And that's what we do. Thank you for that. Yeah. And when you tell that story and you get that emotional reaction from the jury, I'm sure that has a huge impact. I'm not an attorney myself, but I see that and I understand that component of it too. In terms of, let's take it on the other side. You've now tried a lot of cases. What about some of the mistakes that you've learned from? What are some that stand out that you could pass on from trying many cases? The most important thing I learned is you have to have a simple story, rid of all the irrelevant stuff. I've trained with some really good trial masters. Some of them are psychologists. Some of them are trial lawyers. It's all about the storytelling. If got to be very highly focused on what's the most important aspect in your case. And the other thing you have to do, you have to talk in plain English. I run into that mistake myself, being a search engine optimization guy, a big SEO nerd. And I think, you know what, I need to bring this back and not get in the weeds a little bit so that we're talking the same language. Talking about those mentors and those peers, I've heard Mark Lanier speak. I talked to John Gomez and some of these top litigators who are some of those mentors that helped you develop your expertise? Well, I spent a fair amount of time over the years working with Rodney Jew in California. It's a week-long course for each case. You spend the first couple days constructing the defense, which seems an odd thing to do, but it's really not. It's the appropriate thing to do. And then you spend a day trying to rebut that defense, and then you spend the last two days refining your case in chief. And when you do that, you get rid of a lot of things that are really irrelevant and confuse a jury because there are eight or 12 people. They know very little about what you're about to tell them, and they're not going to remember a whole bunch of stuff. So you got to be very careful. Absolutely. And by looking at the defense side, it helps you look at how you're going to play offense and attack what they might be setting up as their defense. Now, the most important thing for a lawyer is credibility. You need to establish credibility with the jury from the time you start picking a jury until the time you close. And that's why you have to be very tight in the facts you present and you can't stretch. Absolutely. I think that's very important. And that's, I think we could talk about that in a lot of detail in regards to how to make those stories more simplified and what you could discard and what needs to stay. And that's a unique skill set of its own there. Today, you know, what are your high value activities? How are you bringing the most impact or value to the firm today? I like to break down a case when it first comes in. I develop a theme. 
I figure out what I need to do to effectively persuade the jury or a fact finder or a corporate representative who's a decision maker to get them to understand how profoundly injured my clients are. For example, before I started with the NFL concussion case, I was also involved in the Kids for Cash case in Luzerne County. They were two corrupt common police court judges who were taking kickbacks and bribes from a developer and owners of a private prison. And the judges would send these kids to the prison, normally before they even were sentenced or whatever adjudicated as a juvenile, they were getting paid per kid that went into the jail. It took a long time to unravel all those facts. We were deterred for quite some time because the FBI had a criminal investigation. But eventually we were able to get a settlement against a developer who actually made substantial kickbacks to two judges, the private prison company, and a lawyer who was also an owner of the private prison. So I must have used seven, eight years of my time and we were able to get a civil rights recovery for maybe 2,000 kids. That's incredible. And when you're telling me this story, Saul, I am a big fan of the TV show Suits. And I feel like they took your exact case and made it into a season. There was a movie made called Cash for Kids. Uh, we had the Juvenile Law Center, who's a, Marshall Levick was the director, still the director, and she's an amazing advocate for juvenile rights. She's argued a number of cases in front of the Supreme Court of the United States. And we worked with her and another law firm to uh, get justice for these kids. That was my next question. Obviously, spending that much time on a case, obviously it's work, but to some degree, you have to have a passion and really care to put that much time and energy into this effort. I like to change people's lives. I like to give them a fair shot. I want them to spend the rest of their life not worrying about where the next dollar is coming from or how they're going to get medical treatment. Yeah, that's incredible. And that's what I think any consumer that's looking to hire an attorney, hire an expert, that's what they're looking for. Someone that really cares and they can trust is going to put their best energies and and efforts into the case. And also just having your prior successes that speaks volume because people can talk about how good they are. But when other people talk about how good you are and you have these results, like these actual, you've made these impacts, it really is a differentiator. See, when we set out to do the concussion cases, the public opinion was very much against the players because the public thought that they were rich kids, had a privileged life, and that they knew what they signed up for. It wasn't until we were able, through public relations, by telling the stories of some of these players and their families, that the public perception changed. And... I guess about a year and a half into the litigation, ESPN did some surveys and they found that 70% of people thought that the players were entitled to get compensated because they had no idea about the dangers of concussions and sub-concussions hits. And it wasn't just football. Girls soccer. Girls shouldn't hit a, a soccer ball. The forces that hit their head and neck are too great. Their bodies aren't mature. Field hockey for girls, ice hockey for men. Every contact sport had risks that the players didn't appreciate, didn't understand. It was the media outlets that explained to parents 
and participants about the dangers of neurological deficits from concussions. That was the main benefit of the NFL litigation, all the way down to peewee football and peewee baseball. So many things have changed. I've seen softball players playing third base with a helmet on. I've seen, you know, the pitchers wear helmets. You saw Antonio Brown complaining about his helmet last year. And it's just had a profound impact. And it's really set this precedent. I would imagine if ESPN polled the audience at the very beginning, it wouldn't have been 70% it was not, in favor. It was not. I can tell you, we had those polls. The other thing about what I do for young lawyers, I love what I do. I like that I can change the world. And that's what litigation does. If there's some bad practices and you force a trial or you force a defendant to rethink what they do, you make the world a safer place. Absolutely. And there's not many careers that can do that and have that big of an impact and that domino type effect. Correct. You also get to meet a lot of great people over the years. Some very interesting people on both sides of the aisle. Let's talk about the firm. How are you positioning the firm for growth today? You've had these amazing cases. You utilize the PR company very successfully to kind of change perception and to make these changes in the landscape and to really impact positive good in lives. So how are you positioning the firm for growth today? I like to train young lawyers and we'd like to grow with from within and we give our lawyers a lot of experience and the culture in the firm is such that lawyers want to do a good job. We're very vigilant in making sure that we keep our clients well aware of what's going on in every stage of their case. And we're all over the country on a lot of different cases. Yeah, that transparency is really important. And I like the nurturing component as opposed to, I hear a lot of attorneys, they have these different hiring processes, but when you're building within, you get to develop these individuals for, you know, and train them yourselves and how you want to practice law and how you, you know, with your own history and experiences. The latest thing that we've done, I've started a fellowship at Villanova Law School for a graduating senior to work at the firm for 10 months. It's on a different track than being associate. And they're going to get to go see all the national kind of stuff we do, the leadership meetings, learn how to put a case together. They'll do some writing, a lot of writing. At the end of that time, they'll probably offer a job. Yeah, that's great. And then you get to see if they have the chop, so to speak, and if they can put in the effort and make it to the next level. Correct. So that's the latest thing we're doing. I like that. So it makes me think, and I, I had this uh, story I, I told on a different conversation. It's going back to the NFL. Let's just use NFL. So you got your offense and defense, but then you have your special teams. Those individuals are practicing, going to work, and eventually a slot will open up for offense or defense, and you can pull someone from special teams, and it's not just rolling the dice no matter how good your processes are, how good your personality assessments are in the hiring phase. If you already know these individuals, you know their capabilities. That's correct. And the other thing we constantly work on is our IT department. We spend a lot of time and money on case management software, customizing it, on trial preparation products. And by keeping ahead of the curve, we have our lawyers spend more time being lawyers 
than doing the mundane things that some paralegals in our firm can do. Yeah, and that case management software, I've had Litify on, I've talked to the guys from FileVine, it, you know, the, having a good case management software, it, it lends itself to, again, what you mentioned earlier, transparency sure. where the case is at, it has all the information in it, lends itself to good processes. So it's just, it, it's incredibly important. Yeah, Saul, so, you know, one final question here. Do you have any advice for your fellow lawyers trying to grow a large successful practice? Loaded question there. No, it's not a loaded question. Actually, a very good question, Chris. Most important thing for a lawyer is his or her reputation. If you earn your stripes, the clients will follow. I guarantee you. I would agree that those referrals would come in too when you earn your stripes. Would that be fair? That's very fair. That's a good point. Guys, we've been talking to Saul Wise, shareholder of Annapol Wise, a national leader in personal injury, product liability, and pharmaceutical litigation. Saul, where can people go to learn more? They can go to www.annapolweiss.com. Okay. They can look in some social media. There's a whole bunch of clips about what we do and the special areas we practice in. I love Saul's points about focusing on your quality as a lawyer and letting the reputation and success follow. And as he mentioned, streamlining other areas of your practice through smart IT solutions is a great way to reduce your workload so you can concentrate on the important task of becoming an excellent lawyer. I'd like to thank Soul Wise from Anapol Wise for sharing his story with us. And I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode or have an idea for a future guest, Leave me a review and tell me more. I'll catch you next week with another inspiring story and some SEO tips and tricks, all with page one in mind. Mm -hmm.